0: It has been a, a a another just busy hectic week, exciting week. Um, we had a number of students with us this weekend, and of course, the fishers are are on the uh, on trail again this morning and sharing with another church about honduras and and we were We were at the pipeline retreat from thursday friday Saturday, and so we got back and and see some of those faces that were there this weekend. It was a good weekend um, interesting enough that that sometimes. You know, all of it gets blurry because it's just running together and it's just like we're just running from thing to thing to thing. That being said, you know, this morning's passage is a passage that really should be a defining passage for all of us. And so I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. And when you get to Luke chapter 10, find verse number 25. And when you find that verse, Luke chapter 10, verse number 25, if you would stand in honor of God's word, we'll read a passage of Scripture together. I actually had intended to do a much larger um, piece, but I'm going to, I'm going to narrow it, just five verses this morning. We're going to talk about it. So Luke chapter 10, verse number 25 reads this way. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that when we come to Scripture, there's always an answer to every question that is given to Jesus, that there is no unanswered question in Scripture that re- regarding the things that people mo- most want to know about who you are and about what we should do. I pray that this morning that as we look to the text that you will challenge each and every one of our hearts to be stretched, Lord, to make our primary strategy one that is so simple and yet so hard that we would have to work at it and yet be enriched by it. We ask for this in Jesus' name, amen. Of course, be seated. You know, it's interesting, whenever I look at Scripture and when I see the picture of Jesus, and, I, and we know because of the lens of what we understand about Jesus, that he is the king, that he is the resurrected Savior, and that he is, he is in his magnitude greater than we give him credit for, even in our own lives, no matter how hard we try as a result, oftentimes when I read scripture, I am looking at it, and what I'm seeing is is that Jesus is being disrespected on a regular basis by people who are challenging him. And I see this this morning, that when you look into this moment, this, this lawyer, he just puts a question out in front of Jesus, as if to challenge him, and to question him, and to put before him something that's important. now, I've seen this happen in my own life, and oftentimes people are unaware of the importance of the people that are around them. You know, you get a chance as a minister to see people in all stages of life. And one of the dearest deacons that I ever, ever ministered to and was, was able to be ministered to by him um, was a man that's dead and gone to glory now. But I can remember right at the, at the twilight of his life, right there at the very end, he was in hospital. And he had had this distinguished career as a judge. And he had been, he had been well known and well respected and well loved in his in his field and profession. And he was, and he was esteemed as as this, this source of wisdom. And right there at the end of his life, we're, 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 they're having a meeting, and, and for whatever reason, I was invited to be there, and his wife and his son, and somebody from the hospital, and they are talking about shuffling him off to some step down thing whatever we know we know it's coming to the close and they're just talking about shuffling away and about two-thirds of the way through what would end up being the the conversation i just was just in awe i just stopped the whole thing and i said i'm sorry i said i don't think you guys understand of whom it is you're speaking of and they said what do you mean I said, this man held bench in, in, in our county for decades, ruled over many of the family decisions that would, that would become the backbone and structure of law in this place. And you're, you're just seeing him here at the twilight of his life and you just want to shuffle him away to some step-down thing so you don't have to worry about him anymore. I think he gets better care right here and I think we know it's not going to be much longer. And it, I'll be, if that didn't end the conversation, they didn't keep him right there and they didn't take world-class care of him and we went back there when he passed to that same room and weep with his family and grieve with them because oftentimes we forget because we don't know the full story of who it is we speak of that people are able to walk into Jesus' life and they're able to insult him by asking him questions to try to trip him up and they're disrespectful of Jesus. I think we do this on a regular basis anyway because oftentimes we believe that we're higher up in the food chain than we really are and we'll just cry out to Jesus. I mean, I don't know about you, but there is a lack of reverence in the world because of things like social media, digital courage is rising in us, and we feel like we have a right to be heard. When I was young, it was very obvious to me that I didn't have a right to talk anywhere. I didn't have a right to be heard anywhere. And that if I said something, oftentimes the response was, stop showing out. And if I didn't hear it right, and I don't know, and I had to grow up in this part of the world for people to say showing out. If you don't understand what that means, that means what's coming next is a rap on the mouth if you keep talking. And I got some of those, and I deserved them. I know some of you are like, smack a kid in the face today. Law might get called. I think the law would get called a lot later in some of these kids' life, if maybe they were straightened out a little younger. But I don't, I don't go to meddling, brother Ben, be careful, right? We look at some of these stories, though, and we see this disrespect in this moment, and we realize that in our world that we think that we could just walk up to Jesus, and like I have been preaching, and tell Him what he should do instead of asking him what we should do. See, this question is intrinsically just like all those other questions. What are you gonna do about this? How are you gonna sort this out, Jesus? And Jesus, is he is so wise. He is the teacher par excellence. He is above all other teachers. He just spins it right around. He wants to know what he should do to inherit eternal life. And Jesus just says, what is written in the law? He just asks them a question. Don't you love it when you ask somebody a question and they ask you a question in response? Usually it means that they know more about the subject matter than you, and they're about to just change your world. And he says, what is written in the law? Isn't it profound that the lawyer wants to know this question? And Jesus is like, well, let's talk about the law, thing that you've studied, a thing that you know, What does it say? And then the answer, I mean, immediately he says, what is your reading of it? And those are two very different things. Stay with me here because this is important. I really want you to hear this part. There's a huge difference in what it says and what people think it means. It's a huge difference. It shouldn't be, but it's true. Point number one, if you're following along and you're gonna take notes this morning, is there is a difference between what is written and what is heard but there shouldn't be. You see, I was a student in a middle school in Tulsa, and there were rules, and most of you know about rules, right? And there are all kinds of rules about all kinds of simple things. One rule that I think is pretty common in most schools is no run. Everybody, look at your neighbor and say, you should not run when you're at school. Not when you're in school. At the playground, whatever. Another rule was stay in your class until the bell rings. I wanna tell you a brief story about how I violated two of those rules, the two that I've given you, and how it led to catastrophe for me, okay? Standing crowded at the door, and you know what has to be coming, has to be something exciting if I'm gonna try to run to it, right? So everybody automatically says it must be lunchtime, right? And that's exactly what was happening. Gym coach has got us all by the door, and he doesn't like it, and he's always getting on to us. But we know if we crowd at that door that some of us, when he turns his back, might slip down that hallway just a few minutes earlier and be first in line. I mean, he did. He turned his back, and I'm gone. Rule number one, the rule was written, "Don't, don't leave class early. The rule was also written, don't run in the halls. I have violated them both. I know what was written, but my reading of them was, What the coach doesn't see, the coach doesn't know. Man, I'll be if I didn't make it halfway down that hall and I'm thinking, I'm I'm scot-free. He's not gonna see me. When another student in another classroom kicked the door out in front of me and I hit it. Just collided face first into this door. Everybody thought it was hilarious until I rolled over and the blood just went everywhere. And an older... Upperclassman, a, a very well-built, you know, very strong young lady picked me up and drug me into the home ec room and put me over the sink while the teacher's panicking and trying to figure out what to do next. Now, I know the kid that saw me coming and kicked that door out in front of me, did it on purpose, and everybody say, well, he's at fault, but hey, I broke the rule first. The problem is, is that when we see sometimes the rules and we think to ourselves, nobody's watching, and this is the point that Jesus is making. There are rules in place on purpose that will tell you what to do. And if you decide to, to be smarter than them, there will be consequences. That kid never got in trouble, and I think I went and got has a miserable winter break, trying to eat around stitches. You can't see the scar from the goatee that I bear, but I'll tell you the truth is it's there. Jesus is asking a very simple question. What's written in the law? One of the things that I need to teach you this morning is something that's gonna be important for Bible study for the rest of your life and it's something that came up this weekend while we were doing our leadership development and it's something that I, it bears on me because it was drilled into me. When you read the Bible, one of the questions that you need to ask is what does it mean? So look at your, look at your neighbor and say, I need to ask what does it mean? Now I wanna fine tune you just a little bit here. The question is not what does it mean to me or what does it mean to you? Because that is the question that oftentimes gets asked. The question is, is what is meant by this passage? And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, what does the law say? And then he says, and then what do you understand about it? Because he knows that people will oftentimes filter it through their experience, through their trouble, through their want and desire to have their own way. So he says, what does the law say? And then he says, what is your reading of it? You need to learn to discipline yourself to learn what the meaning is, not what you think the meaning is. Because one is dangerous and the other one is freedom. One is salvation and the other one is heresy. And there's a strong way to guide. Because sometimes we get it Right? but oh, sometimes do we get it wrong. We're strung out all over this world because we have problems, because we think that we can bend this and twist this and it should not be bent or twisted. But his response is pretty profound. Verse 27, the lawyer, he just, he just rattles right back. He says, you shall love your Lord, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And your neighbor is yourself. Get that down. If you can do all of that, the rest will sort itself out. I mean, I'm telling you, this is when Jesus teaches on this and he tells us a couple different times, we see him lean in and talk about these things. And it's really important and we're gonna explore some of these things in the next few weeks. We're just gonna to keep talking about this topic. I'll tell you, I understood loving the lord god with all my strength and all my mind i, I never understood it better and, and some of you understand what it means to be in a situation where you are just every minute of every day is full and, and you are just moving at the speed of, of intensity because you have no breathing room I, I i tell people and and i talk about it frequently that when i was in seminary that that you know you have a child you have a full course load of classes you have responsibility to your faith community and your faith life. And you're trying to trying to work through all how to do all these things. And I, you know, I worked 40 hours a night, 40 hours a week at night at a hotel, running at a front desk, being a night auditor in a, a crew at a at a hotel near the airport in Kansas City. That was brutal enough. Most people would be like, 40 hours a week, that's a full week. I'm tired. I took more than a full load of, of classes at seminary because I didn't want to be in seminary forever. I wanted to get out and be in the church. So oftentimes I would take two or three classes beyond what was considered a full load so that I could finish it. And I'd watch my daughter on my days when I wasn't at work or at class. And so you think about it, you work all night, you watch your daughter. You sleep for a few hours when your wife comes home and you go to work. I get a couple nights off a week from the one job and so I would sleep and then I would go to class the next day and I'd be at class all day. And then in between every class I'm reading. And I'm writing papers and I'm working on it. It is brutal. And I'm not trying to say my situation was worse or harder than yours. What I'm trying to say is that a picture in my life where I understood this verse better than I could ever understand it again was when I was willing to be stretched by God and just say, if I'll give you every minute of every day, you can use me in a way that will, that will just be more than my capability. I don't think I could do it at this current age in my life. It's amazing how you can be stretched if you let God stretch you, but love God with this much of you. Some of us think it's enough to love God with our mind. Or with our heart. The scripture, this lawyer's got it right. You should love God with everything you are. There were times when all I wanted to do was, was just crawl into bed and sleep. I remember I had a very, very generous boss that was very gracious towards me. And generous in time, you know. Because there were moments when I'd just be dragging myself to work. And then one of the people that worked in the middle shift that was kind of overlapping, they're like, that guy, he, he, you know, he's supposed to be here You know, a couple minutes before... Shift starts. She's like, he'll be here. And he'd say, and they would start to fuss. She goes, he always comes. He never misses. He's, he's regular. He'll be right on time. It'll, it'll he'll work. It'll be fine. They're like, you leave him alone. Because she knew the picture of what I was doing. I was so grouchy that my wife was like, you better finish this schooling. I remember one time laying on my couch, and my wife knew that my daughter was going to be fine. Because I was just, anytime I sat still for any major time, I'd sleep. And my daughter is toddling. And she grabs a hold of my, you know, hairy arm hair or something, and it's this moment clawing at me. And I just roll over and growl at her. And she growls right back. And my wife is like, "Yeah, I'm not going to have to worry about my daughter. But he adds to this, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, it's one thing to govern you. It's something else to govern how you treat other people. And this is really where we want to spend some time. Because Jesus, verse 28, he says to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. Jesus has just used the scriptures to teach and so should we. That's point number eight. Jesus has just allowed the scripture that this man is quoted to him to be all the teaching that he needs. And he just says it pretty plainly. You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. It's enough to aspire to what's in here, isn't it? It ought to be. But we always try to add something. It's amazing because the lawyers dodge the the trick that's coming and the, 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 the infinite measure of people who think that they're pretty smart. And this is, there's no exception to this. This is in every part of every part of life I've ever been a part. Because it says in verse number 29, but he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? He says, and who is my neighbor? And you know, what we want is for Jesus to lay it out and make it real cookie cutter and just say, well, you know, the people who live to the left and the right and the front and the back of you and those are your neighbors and just love them. You know, that's what we want. We want it to be super easy and super, because you're like, man, if my only obligation is to love this small little square in the world, then I'll be doing great. And, man, if I, could, if I could whittle that down to just one or two addresses because I live out in the country and I don't really have anybody that's, you know, we live where the Back 40 was created, right? Your next neighbor might be Miles. And Jesus is like, no, you're not getting out of this that easy. And he just, he blows our mind, right? Point number three is, is that we often think that we are smart, but we aren't. Oftentimes we read a passage of scripture and we think that we found a loophole in the system. We found some important measure by which we can say, if I'll do just this much. I had a professor that always talked about brinkmanship and he said, the Lord God will give us a line and we'll walk right up to it and we'll say, okay, this is the line, but I'm not over it. But he says, why must we get right up against the line? And that's what we do. We try to walk right up to the line every time we say this far we can go. And he wants to know, how far do I have to go and then I can quit? How much do I have to do and then I can be done? And that's one of the problems that Jesus is like, no, you're not getting off the hook this easy. You don't get to just do enough. And what he does next blows us away. Point number four is Jesus will blow your mind with his teaching, and, he just, and, and it's the start to a great big story that he leans into. Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And when he starts this story, it just unravels us because he's like, well, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus says, this guy, who's in a bad way, who's had a bad thing happen to him, who's in a spot that that he can't fix. And most of us are like, man, that doesn't look like the typical three-two house next door to me that I would be real happy just to take them some cookies and invite them to church, and that would be loving my neighbor. Now that's a nice start, guys. Don't get me wrong, do that. Go next door to the typical houses that you see, knock on their door, take them some cookies, and say, come to church. I like that. But that is not the definition or the definitive measure of this, of this verse, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Let me, let me challenge you here, and I know this is a little bit of hard medicine. It's easy to look at other people's situation and think about the things that they could alter in their life. They would make their life better, right? And oftentimes, when you look upon people that are having some kind of distress financially or whatever, and you're like, well, if they would just cut this, and this, and this, then they would have money to pay for this, this, and this, right? And I always want to say, well, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Do you have those things in your life? Well, yeah. Then why would you forbid them from having them in their life? And it's interesting when you talk this way because people don't like that kind of language. You know, I just want to challenge you this morning that when you see a situation that these words will ring in your ears. Is it my place to help this person? Is it my responsibility to do the right thing here? And then you'll hear the words, who then is my neighbor? And you'll hear Jesus say, the people that you encounter. You know, for all the, the reality of all the possible things that are happening in the world, Do you think it's an accident that you've come to church this morning, that you just happen to be here, that you just are in the presence of this teaching of Scripture, that that you are are here, that you spontaneously just arrived? No, there's a measure of orchestration of the many things that are happening in the world around us that put us and line us up. Oftentimes we will encounter people and we're like, this is going to mess my day up. And when we get into the rest of this teaching next week, you're going to see that some people will opt to having a tidy schedule instead of being compassionate and valuing people. And that's broken. And it doesn't change lives. So I challenge you this morning that when you begin to look at the scriptures that you begin to see yourself the right way. You know, When we go back and we rewind and it says, what is written in the law that you would begin to see? If I read it for what it says, when I understand the Bible, one thing I'm gonna know is true. Number 1 is that I'm hopeless and helpless without Jesus. You know. I'm reading it and it tells me that I can't save myself. What does it also say? It says that Jesus made a way for us to be forgiven. What is the reading of the law that he is the only way to be saved? What is the reading? It says that if you don't have him you will be separated from God's love forever and all always. But you you will come to people and they will say, well, my reading says that there are other ways. And Jesus is telling us, read what it says. Because when you read it, you'll understand you need him. And that will define. You think that you don't love your neighbor? It's probably a hard issue. There's something broken in here because you don't have a right relationship with God because when you love God, you'll start to love people like he loves people and you'll understand that your neighbor are the people that you are coming into contact with that need you. You can help them. I'm not asking you to disable people with your gifts. We're gonna talk about that too. I'm asking you to be a good neighbor. There'll be moments in your life when you get frustrated. You know, it always happens around this time of the year, doesn't it? Hey, by the way, I need your help. We're gonna blow some stuff up here on the 5th of July. We're gonna celebrate our faith and our freedom and our liberty. If you know any of the neighbors of this church, let them know. Put their horses away, tell them. Your dogs, I've already talked to our neighbor right here. He's like, thank you, okay? I need your help, okay? We love our neighbors and say, hey, we're gonna blow some stuff up, okay? But about this time of the year, don't that, doesn't this happen where the fireworks start going off because the stands start opening up and the, the, the rage on the internet about my dog and, and about I wish people would wait and, and do it on the day. And there's all these conversations. People are going back and forth and there's all this tug and there's all this pull. And you know what I notice when I see those conversations? What's well, all right. right? Hey, I agree. But you're right. But your biblical expectation is that you should love your neighbor. Hey, I need your help. We're going to blow some stuff up. We want, we want to be kind to your animals and to you. You know, help us. We expect it on the 4th, right? This is a day after. That's why I really need your help. Okay. But wouldn't it be amazing if we let out by saying to our neighbors, hey, hey, we want, to be, we want to be cautious with how we live our lives around you so that you understand that we are being guided by something bigger than us. And we want you to know that we, we have a reason for why we do these things. But you might be in this place today and you might be saying to yourself, when I read the Bible, I'm not sure that it's speaking about me. I'm not sure that it speaks to who I am. And I would suggest that this Bible is for everyone. It's for you. And so when it says that Jesus is the only way to salvation, it means it. When I say it this morning, it's not because I believe it, it's because it's what's written. I read it here first and then I believed it. I didn't believe it and then make it so. I believe it because it's true. So today you might be in this place and, and understanding that, that maybe you could do a better job of reading what it says, believing it as truth, and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. On a moment we're gonna have an invitation, but the invitation's gonna start with you doing a, a key part to this and something that I haven't, described perfectly well, but I hope to in these moments. It says here that you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because I think a lot of people in this place would say that they love other people. But I think there's a bunch of people in here that maybe struggle a little bit with loving themselves. And part of that comes down to this truth, and that is that you don't believe that God really loves you. How could God love me knowing all the things that I ever did? I was honest about running down that hallway and breaking those rules. Those consequences were real. You can be honest about your sin and about the things you've done wrong, but it doesn't put you outside of God's love. And I think some of us look back on our lives and we think of the rules that we broke that are heinous, that are awful. And then you'd say to yourself, if people only knew who I was, that they would know why I know that God can't love me. And I'm telling you, that's not true today. Part of the reason we can't love our community and we can't love our neighbors and, and we can't invite people to church is because we can't reconcile inside of ourselves that God could love us in spite of us. And I'm gonna challenge you this morning to see yourself the way he sees you as something that's precious and created by him to be loved by him on purpose. And you're going to need to have a moment, maybe just to come and just talk to God and say, God, you made me and you love me. And because you love me and I feel loved, it's easy now for me to love others. But I think people are sour because they don't feel loved right here. And I think that Jesus is telling us when we read the Bible, the way that we have an impact from him to us is the way that we will now have an impact from us to them. And that's where it starts. Do you feel loved this morning? Jesus loves you, the Bible tells me so. That's what I read. It's right. We're gonna to stand together. You're gonna to bow your heads and you're gonna close your eyes. And I'm gonna pray. Lord Jesus, we ask this morning that as we come to you that we would see ourselves through your eyes. Lord, you could have criticized and sc- What does the Bible say? And when he answered, you could have told him. He was wrong in the world, but what you said was, you read it right. And then you reaffirmed to us that we should execute. We should execute every word that we should love you and we should love ourselves and we should love our neighbors. And All three are important. I pray this morning we would start by recognizing that you love us in spite of us that we need to do a better job loving other people because you love us. We ask for this in Jesus' name, amen.